It's that time, the Betting Predators podcast, where main objective is hunting down the best bets for you. I'm your host, Sleepy J. You guys can find me on Twitter at SleepyJ underscore pregame. Joined here by Chris Dell, the mad journalist, fantasy football guru, prop player guru. You guys can find him on Twitter as well at mad journalist. It is M-A-D-D journalist. And you can find us both on the best sports betting information site on the web, pregame.com. All right, Chris, here we go. NFL Week 15. We got two Saturday games. We got a bunch of Sunday games that we're going to go ahead and get to. I'm going to go ahead and want to start it out here with our Saturday stuff. We're going to talk DFS. We're going to talk player props. Uh, Chris will probably tell you who to go ahead and plug into your fantasy lineups. As you guys know, the, the playoffs are hot and heavy. The championships are coming up here for a bunch of you guys. So Chris will go ahead and give you guys the information on that. Chris, are you going to go ahead and write up a bunch of stuff for fantasy, like semifinals and finals on the Betting Predators website? Uh, yeah, we're going to have uh, just a special uh, DFS article for Saturday's slate with the two games uh, we got going on. And we're going to have the same schedule as usual. We have our fantasy rankings. Uh, I did my last edition of the rest of season rankings, which basically just accounts for week 15 and 16. Next week, there's no reason to update rest of season because that's week 16 is week 16. We're not going to do anything for week 17. If you do happen to be in a league, that plays in week 17. I don't need to be the first person to tell you that you should not be playing fantasy in week 17 because a lot of starters won't be playing. Uh, but yeah, so normal fan, normal fantasy schedule, normal content schedule on the site. Uh, Smooth's going to have a, a Saturday main slate breakdown, a matchup breakdown with just the two games. Then we'll release his full matchup break, breakdowns column for Sunday slate. Uh, in terms of DFS, uh, we're going to have a special article for that. Props-wise, we're just going to cover the props for Saturday on this podcast, and my uh, weekly player props column will come out Sunday morning as usual, covering the Sunday main slate. All right, good stuff. Well, maybe everybody will go ahead and check out everything over there at betterthanpredators.com, see all the work that you guys are doing. Should be an interesting weekend. Let's start it with the Saturday games here, Chris. We got the Bills at the Broncos. Bills going to be minus 5.5, total 49. I have a play in this one that I like. You know, right now the Denver backfield is a it's a little bit banged up. So I assume the Broncos will probably look to go ahead and throw here if those guys are hobbled. But I also think Denver will probably throw because of you know the Bills pass defense isn't exactly the greatest the greatest unit on it. I would actually say it's probably their weakness. And Locke, you know, he had his best game ever probably last week. His total right now on FanDuel, two hundred and thirty nine and a half passing yards. I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna look to go over that. He's gone over that number in six straight games. So I'm going to make it short and sweet here. I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to play Drew Locke passing yards over 239 and a half. What do you think of for the Bills and the Broncos, Chris? The only place I can look with confidence in this game is just the one guy who's been consistent week in and week out all year. And, and that's Bills wide receiver, Stephon Diggs. And he's the type of guy that we had a lot of questions about him coming early into the year. You know, would he compete for targets with John Brown? How consistent could he be fantasy wise, prop wise, uh, playing with Josh Allen, who's historically been an inconsistent quarterback throwing the ball, albeit in a very small sample. So Stephon Diggs, at this point in the year, it's clear he's a locked-in top-five fantasy wide receiver. So, you know, week in and week out, we want to be looking to attack his you know, receiving yards over, and especially in this in this matchup with the secondary of the, of, of the Denver Broncos, the Bills offense is going to have their way here, and they're one of the most pass-happiest offenses in terms of passing rate over expectation this season. So I expect them to have a lot of success early and often with no AJ Boye. He's been suspended for the rest of their season. They have multiple injuries in the secondary as well as in the rest of the defense. So I think whatever number you can find the best number at in terms of Stefan Diggs, 
I think you want to take advantage of that. Right now, I'm seeing both FanDuel and DraftKings has it over 82 and a half. I think normally we might think that's a little high, but uh, a player of Stephon Diggs' caliber, I, I don't think we want to shy away from that given the cluster injuries for Denver, given Josh Allen just playing an extremely high level right now. And the Bills have a lot to play for. They want to come out and, and get this win and get it done early and really kind of put the, their foot down the, uh, down the Broncos' throats here. So I like Stephon Diggs over on his yardage. Uh, in terms of anything else, Cole Beasley, I think, is a solid DFS play. Uh, his props, nothing's really jumping out at me in terms of getting much value on the board there with Cole Beasley, 63 and a half for a low a dot type of slot receiver. I really think it thinks it's Diggs who's going to take advantage. And the fact, fact that the difference is less than 20 yards, Diggs is going to be the deep threat if they go deep in this game. Uh, so I really like him. I don't think we've had word yet or not, whether John Brown's going to play. I'm leaning towards him not playing, which means Gabriel Davis could be in for another solid day. I think Gabriel Davis is a great, uh, DFS, DFS option. We'll definitely mention him in terms of our top plays, uh, DFS on the slate. And just Stephon Diggs overall, you, you, you look at the, you know, his, his, what he's done over the last couple months, Sleepy. And we're now looking at, uh, I believe it's five out of the last six weeks, he's had at least 90 yard receiving with two of those games over 115 yards. So I, I have absolute confidence going back to the well with Stephon Diggs. Uh, and, and that's probably going to be my best play and my, my only official play for this game. All right, good stuff on that game. Let's jump over to the Panthers at the Packers. This will be the late game here on Saturday night. Green Bay right now minus eight, eight and a half, nine, depending on what book you guys go to. Total right now, 59, actually 51 and a half. I got a little bit of a typo here. I'm going to make a double dip prop here, Chris. Easy call for me. I'm going to go down and play Robert Tunyon over three and a half catches at minus 102 on FanDuel. Tunyon has become... You know, probably one of Rodgers' most favorite targets in this offense recently. Tunyon's gone over this number in four straight games. And I'm going to go down. I'm going to play Tunyon to go ahead and score a touchdown at plus 165. He's caught a touchdown in four straight games. I think that run continues where he'll go ahead and get catches. I think he's had four or five in four straight games now. So three and a half at minus 102. I think there's a little bit of value there. And Tunyon to go ahead and score another touchdown. You know, it, not only is Rodgers throwing the ball, you know, I would say somewhat deep, but he's using him in the red zone as well. So I feel like I can go ahead and get Tunyon in the end zone at plus 165. That's what I'll do with that one. That's my double dip prop. What do you think for the Panthers and the Packers? Yeah, I'm going to try to keep it as simple as I can for this matchup, Sleepy. I think we have another situation similar to Buffalo, as you mentioned, with Stephon Diggs. And and I meant, the one thing I forgot to mention for him actually – is you look at, he had the second most air yards in week 14. So even with the production, he could add even more than what he got last week. 187 air yards and 14 targets last week for Diggs. And the reason I bring that up is we're seeing almost identical production and volume from Devontae Adams in this Green Bay Packers offense. You add to the fact the extra motivation of Aaron Rodgers going for the MVP and throwing the ball. And who that's really hurt at the end of the day in terms of fantasy production is Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones was getting all the touchdowns last year in this offense. Now they're all going through the air. So maybe Aaron Jones catches the touchdown. The, the probability you know, isn't as likely for that, but still a very solid DFS play against one of the worst run defenses in the league here. But let's go back to Devontae Adams because – his full season pace for receiving is just ridiculous, like record-setting type of season for him. Uh, unfortunately, he missed a couple games earlier in the year, but uh, 11.2 targets per game over his past nine games. And although the Panthers start out the season pretty decent on defense, uh, they're 30th in the league in terms of allowing 18-plus fantasy points per game to opposing wide receiver one options. Uh, the, the one side I like the most, actually, is the fact that uh, the Panthers are allowing a league-high 
56% completion rate on throws over 15 yards downfield. So I think great chance for Marquez Valdez-Scantling and or Alan Lazard both to get loose for a deep play, uh, possibly a deep touchdown pass in this game, which I think keeps them very viable on this two-game slate here, and you're going for upside. Uh, and prop-wise, I think Devontae Adams, look, man, he's had over a he's had, he's had over 100 yards receiving in three of his last four games. In four of his last six games, he's had over 100 yards as well. Um, the only two times he didn't get that sleepy were in games against the Bears and then against the Jaguars, which was a lot of weather involved in that game, if my memory serves me well. So Devontae Adams, it's a very high prop again. I don't think it's high enough. I'm going to take the over 87 and a half receiving yards. I think Teddy getting DJ Moore back on the other side, no Christian McCaffrey, they're going to have to throw it. And at least I think they'll be competitive for, you know, two quarters, maybe three plus quarters in this game, at least uh, can continue to keep the Packers throwing the ball back on the other side as well. So I, I do like Devontae Adams. His reception prop, I don't hate either. Right now in DraftKings, you can find over seven and a half at plus 115. And that's been a number he's been getting consistently. And like I said, he's averaging over 11 targets. If we're, if we're going to guarantee ourselves 11 targets from Devontae Adams, what for me, at minimum, he's catching like nine of those passes. So I, I think there is value on the receptions when you're getting the plus money. But I'm going to stick to the yards over 87 and a half uh, for Devontae Adams in this game. And then in terms of his teammates, as I mentioned, I would probably be more likely to play them on DFS slates. Uh, I do like your Tanyan play overall. I, I think that he is a solid guy to rack up volume as well, almost serving as like the wide receiver two uh, in this offense here. So those are the places I'm going to go. I would love to play DJ more, honestly, Sleepy, but coming back from the COVID, it scares me a little bit because how is he like health-wise, uh, fatigue-wise? Is he, is he going to get the full 100% of snaps in this game? Um, that kind of scares me off that prop because normally 61 and a half receiving yards for DJ Moore would just be way too low. And I would want to attack that. Uh, and, and I think Mike Davis gives us a lot of value in terms of DFS as well. He's had at least four or five targets in, in each of his last five or six games now. So he's going to get a lot of work through the air, I think in this game as well. Uh, but Devonte Adams to me, we just got to go to clear dominant usage, consistent usage, take advantage of a plus matchup. And I think Adams, uh, potentially has a, has, has another 100-plus game in this matchup here. Let's go back to last week, too, when we were talking about, you know, Rodgers trying to close the gap in the MVP race, and I'm guessing you probably think he probably did that, uh, at least somewhat against Mahomes, as Mahomes went out had three interceptions. You know, this is going to be that game where this is going to, like, make or break him. It's either going to keep him in it or it's going to knock him out, and I think that this is a real good plus matchup for him. You know, I, it's not the fact that I don't like any of the other guys for Green Bay. Like, I agree with you with the, the fact that those wide receivers for the Packers have a good chance to go ahead and have a really big game because I think Rodgers is going to be pushing the envelope, you know, to have his number called uh, more often than not because he certainly wants to go ahead. And it, it at worst, he wants to be at least, you know, the runner-up in the MVP, um, you know, just to go out there and kind of silence some of his critics. Let's go ahead and jump over here to the Texans and the Colts. Colts going to be minus seven, minus seven and a half, total 51. I'll let you go and rip a run on this one first, Chris. Texans, Colts, what do you got? Yeah, we're going to go right back to the well again with Jonathan Taylor in this game. And look, I mean, the, the prop line for him is probably about at least 15, if not 20 yards higher than it was last week. Uh, I still don't think it's set high enough. DraftKings has a 72 and a half, minus 143. This is a prop I would play at least up to 75, maybe even close to 80. Uh, we, we don't have to sit here and tell you how bad the Houston Texans run defense is. You see it against every team they play. Uh, guys like David Montgomery are looking like world beaters against his defense. 
And Jonathan Taylor is just coming into his own right now. And you're seeing that across the league with all these rookie running backs. I think the only rookie running back who really had uh, a lot of consistent success early was Antonio Gibson. And we were very high on him coming into the year. But unfortunately for him, he's been dealing with the turf toe injury. And since he went down a couple of weeks ago, we've seen big emergence in terms of usage and bell cow status from Jonathan Taylor, from Cam Akers, even a couple of big games from J.K. Dobbins. So I just think after this game, we might be looking next week in week 16 to Taylor's prop being like 80 plus. So even though it is a lot higher than it was last week, I'm going to go to over 72 and a half, and I'm going to play that up to at least 75 in a plus matchup in a game where the Colts are back at home. They're touchdown favorites in a game that they need to win. They still need to keep their foot on the gas pedal in this AFC playoff race, trying to win their division as well. Um, in terms of receiving props for this game, I think you got to look at T.Y. Hilton. I mean, th- this guy has been on absolute fire the last couple of weeks. He's the He was the wide receiver five in terms of fantasy in week 14, and he's now been running routes on at least 85% of dropbacks in back-to-back weeks. So you're seeing, you know, 30% average target share over the last couple games. He's getting shots down the field. Three of the last four games, his average depth of target is over 15 yards. And last week, T.Y. Hilton, 141 air yards. So against a team that has no Bradley Roby, uh, their second-best cornerback, Phillip Gaines, is also out for this game. So, man, I I think T.Y. Hilton, absolute smash spot for him. And if you know your history with this division with T.Y. Hilton, he's owned the Houston Texans over the course of his career and he gets almost the best setup you could ask for in, in this matchup here. I think he's a guy who could have literally 100 yards just in the first half alone. Uh, we're going to get 62 and a half, 63 and a half on the line. I, I would play T.Y. Hilton up to uh, at least 70 yards. So we give ourselves some cushion if we happen to get to the board late to make this bet and the line moves up or if the line's juiced up at your book. Uh, T.Y. Hilton over 63 and a half receiving yards. I absolutely love that prop. Yeah, I went ahead. I bet the same thing. I got it at FanDuel at 59 and a half. I don't see how you don't play T.Y. in this one. I mean, he's been a favorite target of Rivers, you know, probably like the last three games. I mean, t- t- he's had 23 targets and 17 catches over the last three games. And Hilton just saw the Texans, what was it, two weeks ago? He had eight catches and he had like over 100 yards in that game and a touchdown. So I'm just going to – I'll keep it simple. I'm, I'm with you with this one. I like Hilton. I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to play his receiving yards over. You can get that at FanDuel right now, 59 and a half, as Chris said. Uh, go ahead and play that up to right around 70. And he's gone over, you know, that 59 and a half yards in three straight games. So I think it's more of a no-brainer play uh, than anything. Let's jump over to Titans and the Lions. The Lions going to be on the road here. Tennessee at home, minus 12, total 51 and a half. Uh, Chris, there are no props for this game. Stafford right now is questionable. I didn't see any props at DraftKings. I didn't see any Fandle. I'm guessing that they're all pretty much going to be game time you know, prop plays that come out, and we've seen that before. A lot of the books, they just tend to go ahead and get scared. But let's say we do go ahead and get some props in this one. I think this one probably has a good chance to be a lopsided affair. Titans minus 12 is already telling us that, you know, that that's probably going to end up happening here. So the prop I'm going to look at here is Tannehill under attempts. I think there's a good chance that Derrick Henry tries to go for that 2,000 yards. I don't think that the Titans really have to be worried about the Lions in general, especially if Stafford don't play. Um, I think you're going to see a limited amount of passing from Tannehill and Henry trying to go ahead and ground up as many yards as possible. One against a, a Lions defense that, that can't stop the rush, but you might get a very unmotivated Lions defense coming into this one as well. You, know, you got an outdoor team that's going to end up playing uh, on grass. I just don't know how necessarily that's going to work out for the Lions. So 
that's what I would look at Tannehill under attempts. You got anything for that one? Yeah, I mean, A.J. Brown, we've gone to him a lot this year in terms of his over. I think more times than not, we're cashing those tickets. Even with the chance for, like, reduced volume in this game, we don't need volume from A.J. Brown in order to hit his number. So I don't know exactly what the books you're going to put it out at. He's been hovering, like, in the, like, 60s. Last week he went up in the 70s. He's another guy I would play at least up to 75. It, usually when you see those elite wide receivers in the NFL, you know, we talked about Diggs and Adams liking them in the 80s. A.J. Brown doesn't get the volume that they do, but he has more yards after the catch and explosive ability once he gets the ball in his hands than those guys do. So I really like A.J. Brown in this matchup. And look at the Lions secondary, man. Like They're, they're uh, allowing an NFL worst 9.42 yards per target. Um, they're, they're without their top two cornerbacks, Desmond Trufant, Jeffrey Okuda, both are on injured reserve. Uh, it's going to be guys like Justin Coleman and, and a guy's name I can't even pronounce, Omani O something. So that just goes to tell you this is already a bad secondary. It's going to be even worse due to their situation in terms of their health. And they're, they're 32nd in yardage allowed per game uh, to lead wideouts. They're averaging about 88 yards per game to opposing wide receiver one. So uh, despite the lack of volume and a potential blowout for the Titans, He's a guy that could that could easily top 70 yards on one catch, a slant over the middle. He could take it to the house. We've seen it time and time again. So I, I would play him easily over 75, probably close to 80 yards in this matchup. Uh, and then DeAndre Swift on the other side, even if Chase, Daniels, uh, Chase Daniel gets the start, uh, he's been a check down friendly passer. I remember a couple years ago when he started for the Bears and I had Tariq Cohen on one of my main uh, home fantasy league teams. And he, he was checking down a lot to, to Tariq Cohen. I believe Jordan Howard was there at the same time. The running backs were getting a lot of targets. And DeAndre Swift, that's what he does best, arguably, in this offense, is catching a lot of those passes uh, in the two-minute drill in long down-and-distance situations. He went back to, like, almost his full-time starters role, uh, played 53% of the snaps last week against Green Bay. So I expect him to have a big role, uh, regardless of game script. That, that Those are the kind of props you feel confident in is guys that are kind of game script proof. So I think he's going to get production on the ground as well as through the air. And this Titans defense doesn't scare me all that much. So I think even with Chase Daniel in their center, the Lions can at least put up a few respectable drives and some points in this matchup here. So uh, having said all that, I'm going to A.J. Brown, number one. DeAndre Swift, I would look to his receiving yards. Uh, I would probably project it's going to be somewhere in the mid to high 20s. I'd probably play it all the way up to 30. Uh, but let's just wait and see because I would like that even more if Chase Daniel winds, winds up getting the start in this matchup. All right, good stuff in that game. Let's jump over here to the Bucks at the Falcons. Buccaneers going to be minus six, total 48 and a half. I'm going to make this one simple, Chris. I, I have a feeling that this is a good matchup for Godwin. I think this is going to be his weekend here for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to play Godwin over 62 and a half receiving yards. Brady last time with Godwin on the field threw just two passes to him. For 25 yards. Actually, I believe he had two catches, 25 yards. I think it was three targets. But I believe that Godwin has a, has a good matchup for this game. I know a lot of people are clamoring about the Falcons' defense being much improved, and it is. It's their rushing, their rush defense. It's not their pass defense. I think Brady looks to go ahead and eat in this game. Rojo's going to be out. So I don't think that, and I, I've been saying this, that I think the Buccaneers are going to look to go ahead and pass um, probably over the next couple games to go ahead and really get that part fine-tune so I believe this is a perfect matchup for the Buccaneers I think it's a great matchup for Godwin here so I'll go ahead I'll play him over 62 and a half receiving yards what are you thinking about for the Bucks and Falcons game yeah I'm noticing a trend here uh so far through these games and I didn't even notice this until we started recording here on the podcast is that 
we're, we're going with a lot of wide receiver ones this week in terms of going over on their props because of plus matchups and because, you know, teams need to stick to what works at this point in the season. And even though the Falcons don't necessarily have anything to play for, I mean, they've, they're already eliminated, eliminated from the playoffs here, but Calvin Ridley over 80 and a half receiving yards. I, I really like that. And he's another guy on the same type of level as AJ Brown, Stephon Diggs, Devonte Adams. I feel confident going to these guys, even with high prop totals, in plus matchups and getting those numbers and and the Buccaneers as great as they are defending the run uh they're a subpar secondary in terms of defending the pass specifically specifically excuse me uh you've seen Carlton Davis you know absolutely scorched by Tyree Kill almost being forced into early retirement with that game a couple weeks ago with the Chiefs and he's he's now allowed over the last five games 27 of 37 pass attempts to be completed for 455 yards and three touchdowns. A lot of that's weighted by Tyree Kill, obviously, but you know Calvin Ridley is, is close to being that top five talent in this league. He's coming off a season-high 36-plus percent target share last week against the Chargers, and that was arguably against a tougher defensive back in, in Casey Hayward. Um, so in, like in the four games Julio's missed, and we're not getting Julio in this game, Ridley's averaging 30% of the team's targets. I think Matt Ryan – you know, without Julio is going to struggle like always. However, the Falcons are at home, which I think gives them a little bit of boost in terms of that fast track playing in the dome. So regardless of whether or not Carlton Davis is uh, shadowing Ridley for this game, I don't think it matters here. I'm going right back to Calvin Ridley, who could easily get over 100 yards in this matchup. And he's a guy we've seen also being used in garbage time with the Falcons trailing late in games. Uh, although I, I I don't know. I don't know about you, Sleepy. Uh, you know, you haven't I, we haven't talked about your sheep, uh, sheep of the week play yet. But I just got a funny feeling that the Falcons are actually going to be surprisingly competitive in this game with, like, no pressure on them. Uh, the Buccaneers are going to be without Ronald Jones, with that, which I actually think does make a difference for them. And Brady's been struggling a little bit. So um, regardless, in regards to your Godwin prop, I think if you're going to play any of the three receivers, he's the one you want to play. Although it's tough because, you know, Brady spreads the ball around so much and willingly. That's what he likes to do. I almost gave that Antonio Brown last week, and I actually was kind of regretted it at the time before the game was played. I'm like, man, I should have given that one out, uh, but I just had too many I needed to narrow it down to for my column. And it turns out, Brown, none of the receivers hit their over. You would have won 3-0 and betting all their unders last week. So it's just too tough for me to try to guess which one's going to have that breakout game. I do like Godwin the most for fantasy purposes, but uh, I'm sticking to Ridley as my official play in this game. Over 80.5, I would play him up to at least 85 receiving yards in this game. All right, good stuff from Chris on that one. Let's jump over to our next game here. We got the Patriots. And we got the Dolphins. Dolphins going to be right around minus one and a half. Total 41 and a half. The Hitman gave out the under uh, on our Wednesday podcast. I still like that. I agree with him with that one 100%. You know, I don't know what to really play in this one, Chris. I, I'm thinking I'm going to probably look for Tua under passing yards. And if you go over to DraftKings, it's at 224 and a half. I'll go ahead. I'll play that one under. There are a bunch of limited props in this game because of the health with a ton of Miami players right now. And I think if, you know, he's short running backs and he's short, you know, Devontae Parker, maybe even Gasicki, I just don't know what Tua does in this game. I think Miami will probably look to go ahead and slow this game down, try to keep it as competitive as possible, you know, through running the ball. So I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to play Tua under 224 and a half passing yards. That's all I got for that game. Yeah, you know me, Sleepy. I typically have said it. I've said it multiple times this year is I really, really don't like to play props in Patriots games because of what Bill Belichick can do on the defensive side, scheming away your best option. I don't know if the Dolphins have a best option yet with Tua under center, although we have seen Mike Kosicki 
really, you know, really kind of explode these last couple of weeks here. We saw him catch, you know, had the big touchdown last week uh, to help them stay competitive with the Chiefs. And just overall with him, he got banged up in that game and it looked like for a second there, he wasn't going to play for at least a couple of weeks, but he's already back to practicing now. So despite all the injuries that we thought were going to maybe lead to some, uh, you know, game time decisions or inactives for the Dolphins, it's looking like there's a potential that Jakeem Grant, Mike Kosicki, and Devontae Parker all might play in this game, uh, which would really eliminate Lynn Bowden from the discussion here. He was the main guy I was looking at, um, a guy who was like a, you know, basically uh, a prospect in college as a receiver, had to convert to quarterback in his last year of college. The Raiders drafted him, tried to make him a running back, which really didn't make any sense. Uh, and he's really come on as a slot receiver for the Dolphins as of late. But if Kosicki is healthy and Parker's back, Parker's going to draw the coverage from Gilmore. And I think Kosicki, a tight end who plays a lot of his snaps out of the slot, uh, I'm seeing DraftKings right now at 30 and a half receiving yards from Mike Kosicki. If you can get your hands on a number like that, I think there's a ton of value there, uh, given the injury uncertainty for this game. Uh, and he looks like he's the wide receiver one in that offense there, even if everyone's playing. And I think Parker being back also gives him a little bit less attention from the opposing defense. So I would like Mike Kosicki at over 30 and a half. Uh, I mean, I guess if he doesn't play, if he winds up not playing, this bet's just going to be voided. So I, I would try to take advantage of that number if you're seeing that at your book out there anywhere in the 30s for him. Uh, other than that, I'm going to try to back away. I, I like Lynn Bowden from the beginning. That was assuming all these other guys were going to miss. It looks like at least half of them are going to be back to play, as well as Savon Achman. It, it looks like he's going to be back at running back. So can't really go to DeAndre Washington in this game like we did last week in terms of fantasy. Uh, it's, it's really tough to, to kind of figure out anything else. On the Patriots side, you don't want any part of this offense if you can help it in fantasy. Uh, Damian Harris, if he misses time, it's still going to be an ugly split between Sony Michelle and James White. So try your best to avoid any fantasy options for New England in both DFS and especially in your season-long fantasy semifinals for this game. All right, good stuff on that game. Let's jump over to the next one here. We got the Seahawks. They'll be at the Washington football team here. Seattle going to be minus 6.5, total 43. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to make a, a pretty square play on this one, Chris, but I think – I'm probably getting a little bit of value. I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to play Chris Carson and go ahead and score a touchdown uh, at plus 115. I think that this is going to be a game in which Seattle can go ahead and get ahead and kind of stay ahead comfortably. My gut feeling is that, you know, with Alex Smith out and Haskins stepping in, that it's just going to be, it's just going to be a little bit too much for him. And I think Carson has a good chance to go over his rushing yards. He can get that at 55 and a half. So maybe I'll go ahead and I'll play that. I feel at worst I probably split. I think this Seattle, more than anything in this game, they're going to look to go ahead and get that running game churning. They need to go ahead and start smoothing this offense out. And I think that this might be, one, a good test, but I certainly think that this is going to be, you know, an opportunity where they don't have to go up against an elite quarterback where they have to continuously throw the ball, continuously press. So let me go ahead and get Carson at plus 115 to score a TD. Let me get Carson rushing yards 55 and a half over that's what I'll do in that game. What do you got? Yeah, I want to I want to stick to Seattle here, and I like I gave out a tweet earlier in the week. I, which we do our look ahead lines, column sleepy earlier in the week. Sometimes on the weekend, sometimes usually at the latest on Monday, looking ahead to the following weekend to try to give you the best value. And I put out a tweet with some extra uh, lines that I really liked early this week, which one of them was Seattle minus four and a half, and it, it looked like they, you know even if Alex Smith was questionable heading into this game. 
why risk the health of that guy? I mean, uh, apparently like during his leg surgery, he like lost some muscle in his calf and, and that's kind of caused him to have that calf strain. So the fact that that's already something that's lingering from his previous surgery and getting back on the field, I as much as they want him to play over Dwayne Haskins and they've made that perfectly clear. I don't know if you want to risk it with the veteran like that in a game like this. And, and with Dwayne Haskins under center, I don't think Alex Smith has been all that great. I mean, obviously comeback player of the year for sure, but with Dwayne Haskins, to me, it's a, it's a major uh, step down in terms of who's under center there. And while I think Haskins could maybe get it going for Terry McLaurin, I mean, they played together in college and whatnot. Um, I think the offense is really going to struggle here for Washington. And as good as their front four has been, uh, their secondary, if you can avoid some of the pressure that the front four puts on these guys like Montez Sweat and Chase Young, uh, you can really attack their secondary, especially on the outside. And the one matchup, I want to go right back to this. Uh, and we lost our prop last week with DK Metcalf. We had him, I believe it was like over 80 receiving yards. Look, when it, when a team's, when a team wins like 45 to three, sometimes they're just going to stop throwing the ball. And unfortunately, we only got about three and a half quarters. Uh, at a, actually, about two and a half quarters, excuse me, at a, at a Metcalf before Russell Wilson was benched and they just stopped throwing the ball. Uh, but in this matchup, I expect it to be a little more competitive because of Washington's defense. And the reason I bring all this up is because DK Metcalf's going to be lined up on the outside with Kendall Fuller. While Kendall Fuller has been okay in the past, he's five foot 11, 198 pounds, and he's going to have to line up against DK Metcalf for a majority of this game on the left side of the field. Uh, so I, I just think that size mismatch is, is going to be a huge target for Russell Wilson. Another reason why I like this play a lot, and I might make this like a correlated play, is playing uh, Tyler Lockett under 60 and a half receiving yards. Washington's best defensive back all year has been Jimmy Moreland, and he exclusively covers the slot. Uh, and Tyler Lockett has already been struggling. There's been some, some reports he's been a little banged up over the last month or two. Uh, Jimmy Moreland uh, shut down Juju Smith-Suster a couple weeks back. He's only allowing 6.2 yards per target, which is pretty impressive. And he's held guys like Cooper Cup under 70 yards. Uh, you know, Larry Fitzgerald only had 50 yards. Tyler Boyd was the only guy who really did anything. He had 85 yards. So I think Lockett, who's been struggling a little bit, who's been dealing with some injuries, I think Jimmy Moreland is going to have his way with him there, which is only going to make more value on DK Metcalf. So I'm going to play DK Metcalf over 75 and a half receiving yards. I'm going to play Tyler Lockett under 60. I probably wouldn't go below 60. So if you can find the low 60s or right at 60 and a half, I would play Lockett under. I would also look to play the running backs in, in this offense under on their rushing yards because Seattle's defense against the run is pretty good. So when you're looking at Peyton Barber, J.D. McKissick, if you can find any of those guys in the 40s, I would definitely lean under. Unfortunately, Peyton Barber's like at 34 and a half, and that's just too low for me to play an under on. Uh, for a starting running back potentially, but uh, those are the places I'm going to look in this game. All right, good stuff on that game. Let's jump over to the Bears and the Vikings. Vikings going to be minus three here. Total 46, 46 and a half. Chris, I'll throw it to you first with this one. Bears, Vikings, what are you thinking? Yeah, Bears, Vikings here. I mean, we're getting a rematch of a, of a game uh, from a couple weeks back on primetime where Nick Foles was the starter and didn't really get much going against this Vikings defense. Uh, as much as this Vikings defense has underperformed this year, they've had a ton of injuries. They've been exploited in certain areas of the field. However, uh, Mike Zimmer against Mitch Trubisky, uh, uh, despite the talent, despite the injuries, I'm going to bet on Mike Zimmer more often than not in that matchup. I'm not going to buy into the hype of Mitch Trubisky. I've seen some fantasy analysts this week uh, putting him in the top 12, basically making him like a locked-in QB1 option. I mean, 
I get it if you're going to do it. He offers a little bit of rushing upside, but I'm not trusting Mitch Trubisky in the fantasy semifinals. I've got him as QB 20 on the week. I got guys like Kirk Cousins, Nick Mullins, Teddy Bridgewater ranked ahead of him. Uh, I just do not trust him historically against the Vikings. He has not been very, very good in his young career. Um, so th- that's kind of what I'm looking o- overall is to attack Allen Robinson. He's a guy we've gone to. And despite Mitch Trubisky maybe struggle, struggling a little bit, he's going to feed his number one receiver, which is Allen Robinson. So I have no problem going back to Allen Robinson over 70 and a half receiving yards. Another guy, again, I would play probably up to about 75, maybe 75 and a half in this matchup. Um, other than that, I, I think you could get a lot of value on, on Justin Jefferson on the other side. He, If you remember from, the, from that game a couple weeks back, or maybe even it was week 10 actually, so about a month ago, Justin Jefferson had eight catches for 135 yards. He's now leading the Vikings this season in targets, catches, yards, first down conversions, all on passes from Kirk Cousins. So he's got a really good matchup in terms of who he's lined up against in the secondary, going up against uh, the Bears' Jalen Johnson. And this is the defense that, you know, they, they were looking pretty good earlier in the season. They haven't necessarily been all that elite in the second half of the year. So Justin Jefferson, the talent is there. The rookie, he's a deep threat in this offense. I think the Vikings are going to have to throw uh, in, or, in, you know, in, or, in order to keep things balanced against a, a tough uh, Bears defense on the ground as well as through the air. So uh, I also like Dave Montgomery a little bit, uh, just depending on what numbers you can find for him. Uh, I, I think the matchup isn't as great as we thought uh, you know, going into this game because he did split a little bit of snaps and touches with guys like Cordero Patterson last week. So I'm not crazy about Dave Montgomery in this matchup. I would definitely, Allen Robinson would be my top play as well as Justin Jefferson. But I think you could go to Dave Montgomery uh, in terms of having some success on the ground in this matchup. And, you know, 16 and a half rushing yards, I think that's pretty low for Dave Montgomery. So he would be probably in the top three in terms of plays I I might consider uh, for the official player props column in this one. I'm more or less probably going to end up skipping everything in this game. I think this is probably going to be a low-scoring affair. Um, and I just don't want to play anybody in this one. I, I just don't really feel all that comfortable with that particular game. I don't know what I'm going to get um, from any any player in that game. So I'm going to go ahead and skip that one. Let's go ahead and jump over to the Jags and the Ravens. Ravens going to be minus 13. Total 48. Uh, it looks like maybe 48 and a half, depending on what books you shop at. This is going to be a high line. I, I'm not necessarily sure what we're going to do here. I think that this is probably more or less a game in which Lamar's going to look to go ahead and continue, you know, somewhat of his throwing. I mean, this is a, they're a 13 point favorite for a reason. And I think that, you know, Jackson coming off of a good throwing performance, I think there's a chance he could do that again. His over and under right now is listed at 196 and a half. So I'll go ahead, I'll play him over. I think he probably gets in the end zone as well, scoring a rushing touchdown, and you can get that at plus 120. So I'll go ahead. I'll play Jackson over his passing yards, and I'll go ahead. I'll play Jackson go ahead and score a rushing touchdown this one, plus 120. That's all I'm going to do in that game, Chris. How are you feeling about that one? Yeah, this is a game. I, this might be the one game I probably have even less of a feel for, even compared to the Patriots-Dolphins game we talked about earlier. Uh, you know, I, I love J.K. Dobbins in fantasy. Uh, the fact that J.K. Dobbins' rushing prop is higher than James Robinson – that kind of makes me a little uneasy for this game. I, I think the books have really juiced up his props a lot. And I, I think it could be Lamar Jackson who leads the team in rushing as opposed to J.K. Dobbins. You, you also have Gus Edwards uh, in a potential blowout for the Ravens. I, I don't know. I think the, the Jaguars offense will get a little bit of a boost with Minshew under center. Maybe the guys rally around him. And maybe they can think uh, keep things competitive against the Ravens defense that's actually 
hasn't been all that great over the last couple of weeks. If you look at the Ravens uh, last, I mean, obviously you saw what they did with the, against the Browns, even though they won that game, they gave up 42 points to Baker Mayfield and the Cleveland Browns the week before that. I mean, they beat the Cowboys, but they still allowed the Cowboys to put up 17 points on the board. And Andy Dalton had, had a decent amount of success in that game, throwing for 285 yards. Zeke had 77 yards on the ground. So honestly, it's not a prop I really want to make or make an official play. But here's where I think there is value clearly is the fact that James Robinson is almost guaranteed for more touches, more volume, and he's more game script proof than anything. And his prop is 63 and a half compared to J.K. Dobbins, who's 67 and a half. That's just not right. I know Robinson has the tougher matchup in this game here, but he's a guy who's been consistently seeing like 20 plus touches week in and week out, regardless of the game script. He's still getting involved in the passing game as well. So uh, it's it's not a play that I'm going to make officially again because the matchup is tough against this Ravens defense on the ground. Uh, but I, I just I think that's wrong. So so I, I, as much as I, I have James Robinson as a top ten option in fantasy, he's been that way all year. Uh, J.K. Dobbins, I have them ranked pretty high as well. He's in the top fifteen for me this week. I, I just don't see any numbers that I really want to attack in terms of prop, props for this game. Maybe the one place that I'll look sleepy is uh, to James Robinson in terms of his receiving in this matchup with Gardner Minshew under center, but. Uh, with Minshew being his first full start back in this matchup, I, I just don't know how much I want to trust with anything going on. So, you know, maybe Minshew over rushing, uh, but in, in the case where this guy hasn't played in a long time, you know, what's he what's he going to do? What's he going to go back to in a tough matchup? I'm just not sure. So this is more of a stay away game for me than anything else. Although I do think the value is on Robinson in terms of over on his rushing yards. All right. Good stuff on that game. Let's jump over to the 49ers and the Cowboys. 49ers going to be minus three. Cowboys uh, total right now, 45. I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to play Nick Mullins over his passing yards right now, 237 and a half on FanDuel. I think that the 49ers are just going to go into this game and take advantage of the Cowboys' weakness, which is their, you know, it is their pass defense. I don't think they shy away from that. I know Debo is going to be out here, but I think that there's enough weapons out there with Ayuk Bourne. You know, James, I think the the running backs probably get in the mix here. I'll go ahead. I'll play Mullins over. It seems like that's one of the things that Shanahan doesn't shy away from is, you know, when he knows a team has a weakness, he tries to exploit that as much as possible. And we've seen Mullins go out and have good games. So uh, in this particular game, I don't like anybody from Dallas. You know, you mentioned it in our last podcast on Wednesday. It's like, you know, can you trust Dalton? And after I watched him with the Bengals, I'm just like, you know what? You can trust him to move the ball up and down the field at a very minimal rate. You don't know who he's going to throw it to. You don't know how accurate he's going to be. So I just have to throw out Dallas, and I don't trust Zeke. I, I get maybe if I you know wanted to trust anybody on Dallas, maybe it'd be Pollard. But I'll go ahead. I'll take Mullins to go ahead and throw the ball uh, half decent in this game over two hundred thirty-seven and a half passing yards. What do you think about for that one? Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's continuing with the theme of the week. This is wide receiver one week in terms of props, in terms of fantasy. We're getting a, a great matchup for Brandon Ayuk. And talk about a, a rookie uh, wide receiver who's come on, come on over this last month. I think he's the top five wide receiver in fantasy points per game over the last month now, uh, ever since he came back from injury himself. And even in a you know, relatively tough matchup last week against the Washington football team, Brandon Ayuk, man, 16 targets, 10 catches, 119 yards. This guy is playing at an elite level right now in his first season in the NFL. 
And then the other place I'm going to look also is Kendrick Bourne, who had seven targets, basically is like the de facto number two receiver in this offense with no Debo Samuel anymore. Um, you know, with obviously no George Kittle, he might not be back for the rest of the year. We'll see on that for next week. But Kendrick Bourne at 38 and a half receiving yards, it would be more of a DFS type of play for me because he's a guy who's never really been too consistent over the course of his career. Although I think that is a very low number for a guy who, who could potentially get, you know, seven plus targets, uh, you know, in this offense. So the last time that, Ken, uh, that Kendrick Bourne had more than six targets in the game was last week. He had 42 yards. And then a month ago, he had 10 targets, eight catches for 81 yards uh, against the Seattle Seahawks. So I think there's a lot of value on Bourne uh, if you can find his receiving prop line under 40. But I'm going to go to Brandon Ayuk, 74 and a half receiving yards. I have no problem playing that up to at least 80. Uh, with Nick Mullins, especially uh, on passes thrown from Nick Mullins this year, Ayuk leads the 49ers in catches, yards, touchdowns, first down conversions. Uh, the last three games without Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk has 91 yards, 119 yards, and 75 yards. So, you know, the, the Cowboys secondary is a place you want to attack. And although I think the 49ers are going to have a lot of success on the ground with Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson, uh, th- this is just a, a matchup that we don't want to pass up. So, you know, over the last five games, I'm going to just leave it here. Ayuk ranks second among NFL receivers and targets. He's fifth in catches, second in receiving yards, fifth in target share. So top five in literally every statistical category you can come up with over the last five games. And I think it continues that in a plus matchup here. All right. Solid stuff from Chris on that one. Let's jump over to the Jets and the Rams here. The Rams are going to be laying a boatload, minus 17, 17 and a half at some books. Total right now, right around 43 and a half, 44. Chris, I'm going to make this one short and sweet. I'm going to go ahead and play Cam Akers to score a touchdown, minus 130. And I'm also going to throw a pizza bet on the Rams defense special teams to score a touchdown at plus 350. I think there's a good chance that the Jets turn the ball over here or their defense or their special teams probably just falls asleep. So give me the Rams score a touchdown special teams plus 350. Give me Cam Akers minus 130. You think there's any chance that Akers, I mean, what did he touch the ball last game? I think it was like 29 times. You think we get that same output? Do we just go ahead and play his his over? I, t- I saw it was up to like 73 and a half. I'm like, I don't know, before I punch that one in, let me go ahead and talk to Chris. How you feeling about that one? All right, so could be a little bit biased here because in my you know high stakes home league that I, I've been running for 11 years, uh, I had Akers on my roster two weeks ago. I was just trying to block opponents from starting a running back that way. I was before he had kind of broken out. So I dropped him for Devontae Booker just because Booker was getting the start in place of Jacobs. Cam Akers goes off two weeks ago. Someone winds up picking him up off the waivers. Now I'm playing against Cam Akers in the semifinals. But I'm going to just going to throw a little bit of caution to the win here. Last week, we saw Akers, like you said, with like near 30 touches in this offense. However, that was a short week, and both Daryl Henderson and Malcolm Brown were both banged up and limited in practice and missed practices that same week leading up to that Thursday game. Now we're getting a game where the, the Rams are like plus 5,000 points on the spread or, or minus 5,000 points. Excuse me, what are they, minus 17 and a half or something like that? Um, I don't know if they need to run the rookie running back into the ground necessarily. And the Jets, they're one of those teams like the Bucks, Like they sell out to stop the run. They've actually been like, above league average in terms of yards per carry allowed to running backs where I think you really want to attack here is with Jared Goff, Cooper cup and Robert Woods. Or even if you're looking for a DFS punt play with like Gerald, Gerald Everett at 3,100 on DraftKings, Kings, um, 
that's where I think, especially in the slot, like slot receivers have been absolutely tormenting the Jets secondary. And we've seen, look at the running backs that have played against the Jets. And you would actually be surprised that they actually really haven't gone off that much uh, throughout the season. So I would just, he's in my top 15. I got him as like a, a high end RB two, low end RB one for this week, but I wouldn't go crazy. I think the touchdown prop, I would actually maybe even prefer to play over the rushing yards prop because I, I think they do get Henderson a little more involved with a week and a half off. I think they do give a couple extra touches to Malcolm Brown with a week and a half off since that Thursday night game. So all those reasons, I would just don't get into the hype overboard with Cam Akers, although I think he still is a solid play. I don't see any props right now on DraftKings or FanDuel, Sleepy, for uh, Cooper Cup or Robert Woods or anybody in this pass offense right now. I think maybe it's because Robert Woods has been questionable all week. Uh, but there's been no defense that has allowed more yardage to the slot than the Jets. Cooper Cup ranks top five in slot targets, and he's had a 34% target share when playing against man coverage defenses, which is what the Jets like to play. So I really like Cooper Cup a lot in this matchup, depending on what the line is. Uh, I'm guessing it would probably be set in the high 60s. I'll probably play him up to at least 70 once we see some numbers on that. All right, solid stuff on that game. Let's jump over to the Eagles and the Cardinals here. Got the Cardinals minus six and a half, total 48 and a half. Chris, I guess I want your stamp of approval on this one. Now, I've made arguments against you where I said I don't want to play a quarterback to go ahead and rush over if they have a rushing quarterback. And I think that there's a lot of merit with that. But I also think that the Eagles and the Cardinals have no choice but they get their quarterbacks running the football. And right now, Jalen Hurts, you can get his overrushing 59 and a half. You can get Kyler Murray at 46 and a half. I hit that Kyler Murray prop last week. I gave that out on Straight Out of Vegas. I think I gave that out to you, Chris, um, as my best bet for our prop sheet. So I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to do the same thing, but I'm going to play them both. Yeah. I think Hurts is just in a, he's in a position, man, where he has to run the football right now in order to have success. And Philly won last week. So what are you going to do? You're going to go tell the kid to just, oh, hey, man, don't run. You know, just go back and try to throw the ball. I don't think that's going to happen. I think he's going to run. I think he's going to, you know, end up with a fair amount of rushes here. And I think Kyler is going to do the same because Kyler running last week resulted in a win for the Cardinals. So give me both quarterbacks over the rushing yards. Kyler Murray over 46 and a half. Jalen Hurts over 59 and a half. What are you thinking, Chris? I mean, you, you stole everything I was going to say, Sleepy. I mean, I like both those plays. That, that's where I was going to go. Um, here's the thing that that people maybe not might not be considering as much as they should be for this matchup here. First of all, I really like Philly plus seven. Uh, I even liked them earlier in the week when the line was at like plus five and a half. Uh, I think the Eagles are going to be competitive in this matchup. I, I, I think there could be a lot of points on the board in this game, especially with the, the Cardinals running that high-tempo type offense. You've seen a ton of snaps in Cardinals games throughout the season. Uh, in their in their games play specifically, like those those games average more combined plays and more total snaps on average than your typical NFL game. So I think that just all goes to stand. There's going to be more volume, more rushing attempts, more passing attempts, et cetera. And the fact that Arizona has allowed the sixth most QB rushing yards on the season. So not only have they allowed seven quarterbacks to rush for 20 plus yards, they've allowed six quarterbacks on the year to rush for 32 plus yards. So yeah, you might say, okay, well, Jalen Hurts is set at 57 and a half. Okay. Well, this is going to be like the most run center quarterback that they played against for the most part all year. Add to the fact that Hurts had what, you know, more than double that last week. And he had that against a very tough New Orleans Saints defense. And the fact that 
these both these teams are two of the man heaviest teams. When you have two teams that like to play man coverage on the outside with their defensive backs, that means there's going to be less opportunity for these guys to sit back and kind of spy on the quarterback in coverage. So I, I've heard a couple of people say, oh, well, the Cardinals have Isaiah Simmons. You know, he's this hugely talented athletic guy in the middle of the field. Well, he's a rookie. And how many times have you heard people talk about Isaiah Simmons this year? I know he's got a lot of potential, but I'm not going to count on him to all of a sudden bet the under on Jalen Hurts' rushing prop here. So uh, the fact that the Cardinals have been tough against the pass just makes me like that even more. I think both these quarterbacks, as you said, sleep, I think they both rush for 60 plus yards. I think you're also getting a, a value on Murray. The fact on DraftKings, he's 48 and a half. And last week he had 13 carries for 47 yards and they took their foot off the gas pedal in the second half because they were blowing out the Giants. The Giants couldn't, couldn't even move the ball down the field against them. So in, in what I expect to be a relatively competitive matchup, I think both teams go to their quarterbacks and what they do best, which as you said, is running the ball. So I'm just Russell Wilson at 42 yards, Cam Newton at 46, Josh Allen 38, Tua 35, Teddy Bridgewater 32. And they're getting the guy who's going to run the most out of all these guys in Jalen Hurts. Uh, if we if we just need Hurts to get half the rushing yards that he did last week, I'm totally fine with playing him over. So I like both those as well. The, the other place I'm going to go sleepy is one of my favorite DFS plays on the slate this week is Miles Sanders. And his explosive playability, we saw it last week, ripping off that 80-yard touchdown run against maybe the toughest run defense in the league in the Saints. The Cardinals now are, are pretty lackadaisical on the ground. I, I mean, against the, against the ground attacks on their defense, they're allowing 2.46 yards per, uh, before contact to running backs. And if you're allowing Miles Sanders to get extra yards before contact, we already know with his speed and explosiveness, he can take those long runs to the house. He's now had 60-plus yard gains against the Steelers, Ravens, and the Saints this year. So uh, I really like Miles Sanders a lot in this game. Uh, he's averaging 3.64 yards after contact, which is fourth highest in the league. So he's going to get extra room before contact. He's going to make things happen after contact. Miles Sanders right now, the RPO and Jalen Hurts under center has really opened things up in that offense here. And you you nailed it last week, betting the over on his rushing sleepy. Uh, they didn't move the line, and he gets an even better matchup this week. I, I definitely like Miles Sanders over 61 and a half rushing yards. That might even be my favorite right there at the top with both Hurts and Murray in this game. All right, solid stuff on that one. Let's jump over to our final game here. Let's talk about the Chiefs and the Saints. Chris, I was a little thrown for a loop with this one. With Drew Brees coming back, I'm like, okay, is he going to protect himself? Are they going to run the ball? And then I'm going back and forth. I'm like, if he gets hurt, I think the one of the main reasons why they went to to Breeze now is the fact that you know they they could easily end up losing you know a number one buy you know a number one seed with a buy I mean they're already behind there now but now you play the Chiefs so it's kind of like a last ditch effort and I'm thinking about it and I'm like you know what I'm just gonna play Latavius Murray over his rushing yards and it's thirty four and a half I think yeah they probably put Breeze out there to throw in certain situations. But the Saints, I think, with that offensive line, they're going to look to go ahead and ground and pound. And they're not going to be able to just do it consistently, you know, with with Kamara. Murray's going to have to get a good run here in this game. I think he will. I just think 34 and a half is just a bargain. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to play that. I considered maybe going ahead and playing Drew Brees to throw an interception. Maybe he avoids trying to get hit and he's and he's delivering the ball a little bit too quick. 
maybe he's running around doing certain things that he's just not normal, you know, that he normally doesn't do. You can go ahead and you can get that at like plus, I think it was plus 148. Let me find that one. Plus 146 right now on FanDuel for Breeze to throw an interception. I think that's maybe worth a pizza bet. I wouldn't go in. I wouldn't go too strong on that one because I, I love uh, Latavius Murray this week over 34 and a half. As far as the Chiefs go, I was looking for Kelsey. It's just, it's too high for me right now against the Saints defense that, you know, they got embarrassed last week against Philly. So I don't know who to really target with KC right now, but that's what I'm going to do. Murray over 34 and a half rushing yards. That'll be probably my best bet on this podcast. What are you thinking for that one? Oh yeah. A lot to cover. Well, we don't have Michael Thomas. He's been officially ruled out for this game. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders, man, we've, He's been like off the board. Like people aren't even putting him in like fantasy write-ups. If you're looking at your various sites that you look for fantasy news and coverage, in addition to what we do, uh, and we we hit two double dip props in the last two weeks on him. So we're four and zero the last couple of weeks with Emmanuel Sanders betting the over on his receiving yards and receptions because it seems like the books were just ignoring him. They were putting his receptions at like one and a half, two, putting his yards in like the high twenties, low thirties, and it's clear that in uh, situations where the Saints have needed to pass this year that he is the number one receiver outside of Michael Thomas, that is. So no Michael Thomas in this matchup. Uh, I'm not seeing a, uh, that many, that much line in terms of uh, Emmanuel Sanders in this matchup on DraftKings, but FanDuel does have his receiving yards at 49 and a half. So that is a place that I would look. I actually think Sanders does have a lot of value uh, just in terms of like a DFS play and a potential shootout in this matchup here. Uh, but the number one place I'm going to look sleepy is uh, is to Tyree Kill and to Travis Kelsey. And at first glance, I was a little bit hesitant to talk about Travis Kelsey. Uh, first of all, I think the yardage is a little bit too high to play. 85 and a half for a tight end, although it is Travis Kelsey. Uh, that could be a little bit too rich for my blood. I say could be, though, because I still am considering it for one of my official plays. And that's because you look at the Saints on the surface. They're allowing just 5.6 yards per target to tight end, second fewest in the league. However, look at the tight ends that they've played. And the only tight end close to Kelsey has been Darren Waller. Well, the last the, when the Saints played Darren Waller, he Darren Waller had 16 targets, had 12 catches for 103 yards and a touchdown. I know that was back in week two, but if they're allowing that to Waller, then Kelsey can definitely have his way, especially operating out of the slot on a lot of his routes. And we're seeing that the Saints, in terms of the slot, Second-year defensive back Char- Ch- uh, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson is allowing a ton of success through the air in his coverage in that area of the field. Uh, I, but Tyree Kill, to me, is the value because he's the big play threat, and his yardage line is set like eight or nine yards lower than uh, Travis Kelsey in this game. Uh, Tyree Kill, I believe right now, let me just pull it up real quick because I hopped over to receptions, but Tyree Kill is 77 and a half. Sticking with the theme again, this is I never thought we'd be playing this many wide receiver ones over this week, but I'm going to Tyree Kill over 77 and a half. Why? With Drew Brees under center, I think this gives the Saints more juice to keep things competitive, uh, to keep the, the Chiefs throwing on the other side of the ball. And just a few stats that really jump out to me is that per this is per uh, Sports Info Solutions, New Orleans has played man coverage at a league high 64% rate over the last four, five weeks. Tyree Kill against the league's uh, most man-heavy secondary. I will take Tyree Kill all day in that type of matchup. Add to the fact that Marshawn Lattimore is allowing the second most deep ball completions allowed in the entire league this season. So you're getting that 
In addition to the fact I mentioned second-year defensive back Gardner Johnson in coverage in the slot where Tyreek Hill will also get targets from as well, I just think this sets up all too perfectly where we could see Mahomes hitting Kelsey and Tyreek Hill early and often against the Saints defense that is much tougher on the ground than through the air, which is why I still have Patrick Mahomes as my number one ranked quarterback this week. I'm debating moving him possibly to two or three uh, in favor of guys like Aaron Rodgers and Josh Allen. But this New Orleans secondary has been beatable all year long. So I'm having a really hard time being convinced that I should not have Patrick Mahomes as the number one quarterback in fantasy this week. So I'm going straight to Tyree Kill. And I also have Kelsey in consideration both for their yardage props over. All right. Solid stuff on that game. Well, that'll wrap up this week's Money Picks pod. Plenty of stuff there from myself and Chris. Uh, Make sure you guys go over to bettingpredators.com. Check out all Chris's stuff. Make sure you guys check us out over there at pregame.com you guys can find me on twitter at sleepy j underscore pregame you can get chris at mad journalist it is m-a-d-d journalist you guys will probably be hearing from us and and feel free to tweet at us and chirp at us with all our plays chris and i have actually been really good i want to say probably like the last three weeks with our prop stuff so hopefully we can go ahead and keep that going yeah hopefully we wouldn't provide you guys with a good uh a good christmas um hopefully chris you got anything else before we go and wrap this one up I just wanted to jump in real quick. I wanted to give a, a special birthday shout out to one of our new uh, retweet army army members, uh, Sam Ron- Ronalds. He's he's a big fan of the Player Props podcast. He's actually out in Vegas right now celebrating for the week with his brother, I believe. So a uh, big birthday shout out to Sam Ronalds. A uh, big shout out to the rest of the retweet army for continuing uh, for the support all season long. Uh, I put out a couple tweets this past week. Uh, we should have some merch available uh, this weekend, I would say by early next week at the latest. So maybe if you can get a few last minute gifts for Christmas, uh, this is kind of something we're putting together on the fly and trying to get a few things out to you guys. I, I know a handful of you have asked us for merch throughout the season. So, you know, we're, we're operating as a, as a tight knit crew here, but we're trying to do as much as we can to make sure we put out high quality content every week. And we've got some basketball stuff in the works as well that I mentioned, and we should be making an announcement on that with some more details next week as well. Uh, on the website, again, you can look for my player props column. It comes out every Sunday morning, um, typically writing up anywhere from like a minimum 10 to 12, sometimes even up to 20 props that I really like for that weekend on the main slate. Uh, we always throw a best bet prop in from Sleepy. I think, Sleepy, you've won three of those uh, best bet props in a row now on the column. And just overall, we track our record. Uh, we've had the we've had the column come out now for props. Uh, t- we've been winning weeks in 10 out of 13 weeks. And we've now had six straight winning weeks on the player props column. So, uh, you know, big shout out again to everyone who's been supporting us. And then uh, shout out to our newest contributor, Mike D'Angelo. He's doing our player props podcast recap. So you can catch a recap of what we talked about here tonight on the website. That article will be out sometime Saturday evening. Uh, uh, Kind of like a a more bullet point summary list of some of the stuff we talked about here. Um, And then in addition to the column that will come out officially with my plays in the morning. So, a lot of content this weekend to come. We're going to have DFS for Saturday. We're going to have smooth matchup breakdowns for Saturday. And uh, you can expect you can expect a lot more uh, through the end of the fantasy season and through the rest of the playoffs and the Super Bowl with more props, uh, more DFS at bettingpredators.com. All right, solid stuff. Hopefully you guys uh, do well. And uh, happy birthday once again to uh, to Sam. And we wish you guys all the best of luck this week. Enjoy the games. <laughs>